I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Call this a game. They're not even throwing those sticks. Call this a game. They're not even throwing those sticks. Call this a game. They're not even throwing those We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And joining me once again is my fearless co-host, the man, the myth, the moron, Tony Kerr. I'm going to bloody sue you, mate. I'm going to bloody sue you for all this libel, that you're, this slander that you're spreading. Does the word moron count as libel? Yeah, well, my lawyer's not going to like it, let's put it that way. How's it going this week, Tone? Uh, yeah, it's been going well. Watched a bit of cricket, I suppose. That was good. You were in uh, you were in Alderney yesterday. Yeah, Ian Botham's Alderney, as it's not known. <laughs> uh, didn't see him for obvious reasons. Well, he's, he's, he's literally in New Zealand at the moment. Isn't exactly. He? That's probably why. This is uh, as as listeners know, we we're based in Guernsey, which is one of the Channel Islands. Yeah, you know, you've got the challenge. You've got Jersey, which no one's really interested in. Then there's Guernsey. And then there's a load of satellite islands around Guernsey, including Herman Sark, which are very small. And then there's Alderney, which kind of falls in the middle. Because how many people live there? Around 2,000 or something? Yeah, that's a bit of an exaggeration. I think it's probably more like 1,500, 1,400 now. Okay. Uh, and one of them's Ian Botham. Is that right? Uh-huh. Absolutely more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely little island. I haven't been for years, but it's, uh, it's real pretty. Very windy these last couple of days. Very sunny. Uh, obviously, got in the way of watching... Uh, me watching the cricket for the last two nights. Uh, so I had the, uh, I was sat, because basically it's winter, you know, Alderney is, is probably more of a summer island, really, you'd say. Uh, very quiet, the hotel I was staying in, sat on my own eating breakfast this morning in quite a large room, uh, just watching the app, <laughs> the World Cup app, just willing Sean Williams to score more runs, just watching the little kind of <laughs> the little turning dial. Uh, yeah, pretty bleak breakfast. but And you were there for work, weren't you? So basically your work was paying you for this. Well, I mean, this is over breakfast. I mean, it was a three-hour breakfast, but you know. It's, yeah, it's a working breakfast. Chuck up to expenses. you got yeah. the old mobile data working as well to get that app, that app spinning <laughs> yeah. round. Constantly buffering. You were you were sent over there, presumably by work, to try and sniff out some stories. Yeah, on the radio. yeah, exactly. Did you sniff any out? Uh, I sniffed out a nice curry last night. <laughs> Again, sure. chalk it up to expenses. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just you, you and Beefy both are having a curry. That's. Uh, I'll leave you to imagine that. It's mental. <laughs> it just seemed like. I mean, like I say, you were over there for work, but it it seemed to me as though you were just milling about the whole time. You, you're just about 15 pictures of various Alderney beaches appeared on my Facebook newsfeed. It was like my Instagram for a while there, Tone. Con- <laughs> well, constant beach pictures. You could argue that's a slight exaggeration. 
uh, a couple, but it's very nice. It's very photogenic, very picturesque. Uh, I would recommend people uh, take a trip over. Uh, I think we'll, I think we should go over in the summer, mate. We could do a live podcast. We could do a World Cricket Show live show in Alderney. Extremely keen. Extremely keen. Uh, no, it's, it's stunning. So, uh, so yeah, there we go. But uh, hey, some cricket's been happening, isn't it? It has indeed. I mean, just before we, we crack on with the cricket, I should quickly say that uh, we are on Skype again, as listeners may be able to tell. Uh, but Tony literally flew in from Alderney uh, a matter of minutes ago, I think. You've done quite well. I mean, you're already in your pyjamas, so it can't have been that <laughs> that recently that you got in. But you never stop, Tony, do you? It, it never stops, this, this radio business. No, just always on it. Uh, when I woke up this morning... Obviously, uh, one of the first things I did was uh, check the the overnight score. Uh, when I did, the literally the second thing I thought of this morning was, does Adam Bayfield have Chris Gale and his fancy team? I was delighted by the answer. <laughs> well, I got a message from you at, I think, 7.02 this morning, saying, it simply said, have you got Gale? Uh, and the answer to that was no, <laughs> uh, which was very depressing. But the thing is, like, I actually had a really good night on the Fantasy League <laughs> in that I had Marlon Samuels and I had Jerome Taylor, both of whom had pretty decent games. But if you don't have Gale, you're in trouble. Uh, and you did have Gale. So suddenly that's, that's changed the whole balance of the Fantasy League in a very depressing way. Well, I'm about 600 points ahead of you now. I mean, I, I was getting quite excited uh, earlier on. Uh, because of the situation, but then I realised we're actually what are we? We've had fifteen games or sixteen games, so there is another thirty, almost thirty to go in the group stage. So it's 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 very early on. It's very early on. It's extremely early. I mean, yeah, we we've had uh, a week and a half of action so far. So feels there's... a lot longer. <laughs> it does indeed. I mean, there's still four and a half to go. So I don't know how you feel about that necessarily. Uh, but I felt this morning, so I had uh, you know a pretty good day in the fancy cricket. Uh, not as good. I think the, the, the chap who's risen to the top must have had Gale as captain, uh, and you'd be getting silly points at that point. But yeah, I had Gale, Samuels, and Sean Williams who made a tasty contribution as my power player. But I felt a bit with those three like it was very much like I'd kind of matched five numbers on the uh, lottery, but not the bonus ball. So. <laughs> It was like, you know, I was pretty thrilled that it was, you know, my hundred grand or whatever I won. But still there was that nagging irritation. Yeah, you know, I could have had millions, mate. Millions. Yeah, you still came away gutted uh, because <laughs> you, you didn't have Gale as your power player. Yeah, yeah. I, whereas I sort, of, I sort of felt like I'd matched three balls and I'd won 20 quid uh, because I had Samuels and Taylor but not Gale. I didn't hit the jackpot. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so, well, all kinds of exciting things happening over in the World Cricket Show Fantasy League. Uh, but the World Cup itself, as much as, yeah, extraordinary scenes in Canberra today with, with Gale becoming the first man to score a, a double century at the World Cup, only the fifth double century in, in ODI history, uh, all of which have happened in the last five years. Um, so as much as that in itself was quite an, a, a big story, quite an exciting moment. I mean, would it be fair to say, Tone, that it hasn't been the most exciting World Cup so far? Like I say, we're a week and a half in, uh, and we still haven't really had a contest. It's been a tournament full of one-sided games. For the most part, it's been the team batting first has scored over 300, and the, the team chasing hasn't got anywhere near it. The one exception to that uh, was England getting hammered by New Zealand, even when England batted first. Uh, and that was probably the biggest hammering of all. 
I would say, Tane. Yeah, I mean, probably the closest game we've had so far is that one that was washed out because of the cyclone. <laughs> it's a gag. I mean, if it's, I mean, yeah, it hasn't been devoid of interest, has it? it ha- yeah, there have been exciting passages of play. We are, yeah, as you said, we haven't really had a proper chase. Teams that have, you know, been at least close to being bowled out have got to the target with, you know, relative ease in terms of balls to go, haven't they? So, yeah, as you say, not huge amounts of, of competition. No, and that was certainly true in this England-New Zealand game. Uh, it was in Wellington and England were absolutely blown away uh, by Tim Southey, who took seven for 33 as England were bowled out for 123. Uh, and then Brendan McCullum came out and hit 77 from 25 balls to power New Zealand to the target after just 12.2 overs. 12.2 overs, Tone. Uh, now, England have since beaten Scotland, which has relieved the pressure a little bit, uh, but that wasn't entirely convincing either, despite Moen Ali's century. So, you know, it, it will take something more than beating Scotland for the shock of that uh, Wellington obliteration to fade. Um, now, Tone, we, we, we always knew it was going to be a, a rough start for England. They had their two toughest games to open, Australia and then New Zealand. We feared that they would lose. We feared that it would be bad. But did we ever imagine that it would be this bad? I mean, difficult to remember a more one-sided ODI ever. Yeah, I mean, the, the performance against New Zealand was desperate, truly desperate. I stayed up for a bit. Well, I wasn't particularly enthralled by what I saw. Went to bed expecting at least, you know, at least a competitive total to be to have been posted by England. And it was all over, you know. Got up at 6am and it was all over. Well, yeah, exactly the same. Uh, I had to get up for work, but I set my alarm, you know, two hours early at, I think, 5.30 or something. Yeah, it was already finished. I was like, no, oh, well, just went back to sleep for a bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, Salvi bowled well. He bowled incredibly well, to be fair. I mean, you've got to, you've got to say, it, the first thing to say is that New Zealand were exceptionally good. As poor as England were, New Zealand were incredibly good. And it was just an exhibition of fast bowling from Tim Southey. You know, just getting that late swing. I mean, the, the balls that he bowled to Ian Bell and Moen Ali and James Taylor would have been too good for a lot of international batsmen. Um, and then, of course, Brendan McCullum comes out swinging from the hip. And when he comes off, he's more or less unstoppable, particularly when he's chasing a low score. And just in general, New Zealand are a formidable team, aren't they? I mean, just everything about that performance, the fielding, just the commitment of the players in the field, you know, just so up for it constantly. So you you can't really give them enough credit for this performance. Yeah, I mean, in a similar way to how I came away thinking after that game against Australia, it's just that New Zealand are just more... Good, aren't they? In, in every department, and they just, but they just, they just exude such greater confidence, and you know, England, it's, and it's typified as well by what happened against Scotland. Really, it's just this like England just looked quite small and timid, and compared to Australia, and New Zealand, I mean, it's just a world apart. And you could probably say that's you know, that's tip, you know, that runs wider than cricket, you know, in terms of you know how the two nations kind of, or well, three nations, I guess, kind of approach things, but. England just look pathetic. They do look small tone, don't they? Little James Taylor. He's a right little pipsqueak, isn't he? <laughs> and I'm not even talking about James Taylor. <laughs> just re- all of them. Apart from Finn, he's obviously massive. <laughs> well, yeah, and broad as well. <laughs> Arguably two yeah. of the tallest I mean, cricketers in the world. 
No, I take your point. They just, I think timid is a good word for it, isn't it? Just England look timid in comparison to New Zealand and they don't look like they're enjoying themselves that much either. Which is, which is crazy because all, all you heard in the build-up was that this is the most dangerous England side ever. And yeah, okay, this came from within the camp, so yeah, it's probably... <laughs> well, yeah, uh, they're kidding them. They are kidding themselves. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is the whole thing because it was laughable how out of their depth England looked. And, and and what's, I guess, so sad about that is that I wasn't that surprised. I mean, I was surprised by the scale of the defeat, but even then I wasn't that surprised. This is the thing, it didn't make me angry. Like, uh, in the past, if England put in a performance like this, if they lose by a margin like this, I would come away feeling absolutely furious with how they played. But I didn't feel angry, I just felt sad, because at the moment, England aren't nearly as good a cricket team as New Zealand. It's not like they were playing madcap shots and getting caught on the boundary. They were just getting clean bowled by deliveries that were too good for them. And then McCullum comes out and it's just far too good for the England bowlers. And it's difficult to say that England got their selection massively wrong. I mean, yeah, there are one or two issues. I think moving uh, the little pipsqueak James Taylor from three down the order was quite a bizarre decision because he was doing really well at number three. They brought in Gary Balance. And Balance has done... I mean, Balance, yeah, he's, he's had a good year to 18 months but yeah does he play in the next game I, he shouldn't do well he's he's got no form behind him as he's got no cricket behind him he was injured um, for a couple of months and yeah he was brilliant last summer but that's quite a long time ago now uh, so it was a it was a gamble bringing him in at number three and it hasn't paid off and it was a strange decision I think and then you'd say well England have got maybe two match winners in their side in Joss Butler and Owen Morgan and both of them look like they're hopelessly out of form so there are issues, but by and large, these are the best 11 one-day cricketers available to England. And it doesn't look like they're even playing the same sport as Tim Southey and Trent Bolt and Brendan McCullum. So in that sense, I wasn't that surprised or that angry by what happened because my expectations were not very high. So, you know, all these angry pieces that have been written in the aftermath, to me, seem slightly wider than mark because I don't know what they were expecting. But having said that, at a deeper level, England supporters have every right to be angry because, yeah, my expectations weren't high. The expectations of most England supporters coming into the World Cup were not high. But that's only because the team has been so bad in one-day cricket for the last couple of years and bad in all cricket for the last 12 months. But the England cricket team has no right to be that bad. At the beginning of 2013, they came to New Zealand. They won the ODI series and they looked like a serious team. You know, Steve Finn bowled express pace. New Zealand couldn't handle him. Fast forward two years, Finn is going for 49 off two overs and England have just gone backwards as a side, whereas New Zealand have kicked on and become a genuinely top-class ODI team. It's not right that their trajectories should have been so different, particularly because England are the ones with all the money. So yeah, New Zealand have done brilliantly and Mike Hessen and Brendan McCullum deserve huge credit. But England supporters do have a right to be upset with the direction that their team has taken in the last couple of years. I'm not angry with how they played on Friday, but I am angry that English cricket in general seems to have taken a bit of a dive. Yeah, and I mean that you know, batting aside, and that's been awful in those uh, in those two games. I mean, we'll perhaps talk about the Scotland match for a couple of minutes because that also demands a little bit of derision. Uh, but yeah, what's really disappointing is you know, Southey rips through England. Yeah, as you say, for seven for why can't? Anderson, Broad and Finn, why, you know, and Wokes for that matter, why have they not been, you know, any one of those four should be at least capable 
you know, nipping a few out. But it's just, it was all too easy. I mean, yeah, when there's no score on the board, it's easy for McCullum to come out and just swing and play with a lot of freedom. But, but yeah, I mean, he, they should be under so much more pressure from the England bowling attack. Well, that's true, but I, I do have sympathy with the bowlers for the reasons that you um, laid out there in that it is very difficult when there's only 120 on the board and Brendan McCullum's coming at you. And McCullum actually didn't middle very many of those shots and one of them could quite easily have gone up in the air early on. But it didn't, and, you know, those are the margins, aren't they? But I wouldn't blame the bowlers too much for that defeat. I mean, Finn going for 50 off two overs. Well, no, it's clearly not the bowlers' fault. But it's it's a part, you know, it's, it's a part. I mean, they didn't bowl very well against Australia. So well, exactly, yeah. I wouldn't blame the bowlers for this defeat, but you could blame them for some others. And England's death bowling in particular has been atrocious for, for quite some time. So this is the thing. It's just there's, there's problems. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. At all levels. And while, you know, there's still time for them to have a, a decent World Cup in some respects, they're not going to win the trophy, are they? And they're not going to come anywhere near the trophy. And they're just miles away from New Zealand and Australia at the moment. And the whole thing has been catastrophically badly managed in the last two years. At the Champions Trophy in 2013, you know, England got to the final. Coming into that tournament, they were arguably the best one-day team in the world. I mean, they were actually ranked number one in the world. And at that stage, you thought, well, yeah, maybe England are going to be going uh, to Australia and New Zealand with a real chance of winning the World Cup. And now they're nowhere near that, despite having had a six-month run-in with no Ashes series. It's all been perfectly arranged for them, and it's just not happened at all. And I do get the sense that from the top down, there is something rotten in English cricket, because, I mean, yeah, the the knives are out for Peter Moores, and rightly so, but it predates him, and it goes above him as well. Giles Clark, Paul Downton, down throughout the whole coaching setup. You know, why is Steve Finn going backwards? What's happened to Ben Stokes? Lots of examples of people like Stokes who come into the England team, look fantastic, and then get worse, much worse. And that's the wrong way around. 
There's obviously the whole KP debacle is wrapped up in this. But even that is just a proximate cause, isn't it? I mean, why aren't England better at cricket at the moment? There's <laughs> questions about the county system. There's questions about free-to-air television. I mean, this is obviously a huge overreaction to one defeat. But actually, it's not just one defeat, is it? It's been a long time since England played consistently good cricket in any format. And that's extremely frustrating when, you know, three years ago they were the best team in the world. Yeah, I mean, you can't have it all, all of the time, though, mate, can you? Uh, yeah, there are a lot of instances in life where for one person to win doesn't necessarily mean for the other person to lose. But in sport, you know, if, if someone's winning, someone has to be losing. You yeah, know, but do, I, they, do they have to be losing like this, though? <laughs> no, I agree. We should be more competitive. But, you know, Australia and New Zealand are very good at the moment. I mean, the one positive I'd say you could take at the moment is it is a long tournament. There is many weeks left. Chris Gale, everyone said it blown out well he blew everyone away didn't he yesterday so yeah he'd gone from being absolutely nowhere in the West Indies having no chance yeah they only beat Zimbabwe I said only that's a bit of, yeah Zimbabwe uh, have looked alright but now you'd say if, yeah, if Gale does that a couple more times Gale does that in the quarterfinal they're three as simple as that isn't it they'll, they'll get through against anyone so uh, and India as well you know <laughs> India were awful a couple of weeks ago uh, and now people are talking about them as, as like kind of leading contenders. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because they beat South Africa very comprehensively. But you know, Bumble in the aftermath uh, was saying, you know, I've always thought when uh, as soon as the World Cup started, I thought India will turn it on. You know, they'll turn it on. It's like that is <laughs> absolutely not what you were saying a week ago. <laughs> Can India do it again? Again, again, it all comes down to that quarterfinal, semi-final. You know, you'd probably say India. Won't do it, but yeah, uh, Dewan was was awful, and now he's, you know, that was a that was a decent innings he put together today. Well, yeah, so I take your point that things can change very quickly. England are still just about on track to qualify for the quarterfinals. If they do that, there's a possibility that they'll get to the semi-finals, and if they do that, that's a pretty decent tournament. You know, it's not an awful tournament. So yeah, this New Zealand defeat—it's not the end of the world in the sense that the World Cup isn't over. But I do think England supporters can legitimately wonder why their side is so inferior to New Zealand, given the relative status of the two teams financially and everything else. And they can legitimately wonder what has happened to the England cricket team in the couple of years since they were, you know, leading the world. So, you know, there there are big questions for a lot of people that need answering. What's frustrating as well, uh, yeah, I think is, you know, what quite how accurate the, the, the comparison between the two teams are I don't know but you know what's frustrating is when you see what West Indies and, and Samuels and Gale did today you know, that's what England should have been looking to do against Scotland whereas what transpired yes Moe and Ali looked very good but like Ian Bell I mean I just don't know what Ian Bell was doing and he's not, I know he's not in form but it was hit out, get out for a lot of that. It was very frustrating to watch. What, what has happened to his form, though? Because three weeks ago, he was in the form of his life. Yeah. You know, scoring big, big hundreds at more than a runner ball. So now he looks like he doesn't know, you know, which way up to hold the bat. It's, it's very strange. Uh, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a really, it was an awful batting performance in many ways. You know, credit to them for coming out and, you know, putting on the century stand at the start. The way they batted up to that point was was perfect, really, and you know it could have, it was a potential banana skin cliche alert, but that was avoided at that point. So from then they should have really they should have been going for it all guns. Yeah, I mean I think some of the the, the criticism that England have received for beating Scotland by whatever it was 130 runs 
is a little bit unjustified because, yeah, they, they were in no danger of losing that game really at any point. But Mo and Ali aside, the batting wasn't terrific. Um, I, I do think, though, that uh, I, I get a bit frustrated with a lot of uh, punditry, well, in general, but around the fact that, you know, the way that uh, Gale and Samuels played, I mean, Samuels was scoring at about, it was, what, a strike rate of 60 for the vast majority of his innings. Gail and Samuels, you know, they, they batted very slowly throughout and they built slowly and then exploded at the end. And that was England's strategy all through last summer and they got absolutely torn apart for having that strategy and people saying, that's, you know, that's 1980s cricket. <laughs> you know, and if Jonathan Trott had tried to do what Marlon Samuels did, he'd have, you know, he'd have been in big trouble with a lot of people. Um, and yet the key difference, obviously, is that West Indies actually executed well, and ended up scoring 370 using that strategy, yeah. whereas England were building and then spluttering at the end and getting to 260. But at least it's the same principle, and, and they were getting attacked for the principle. Yeah, I agree. But you know I've not got a very good memory, so I, yeah, I might be misremembering this. But the principles are the same, but if you can't actually deliver on that strategy what's the point in having the strategy it's the wrong strategy yeah you know, when i you know, i might you know set out to you know run a five thousand meters in the olympics <laughs> by you know going going like kind of slowly slowly and conserving energy at the start and then never finish which is kind of what england are doing is that they you know they're just they're going along but they're never they're never taking that step up they're never going on that is absolutely not the strategy you would have you would go out very hard from the start i think that's just the kind of guy you are, but that but that's what I mean, though, Tank, because that's why I feel so sad rather than angry, because England just aren't capable at the moment of executing any kind of strategy. It would seem against a side like New Zealand, they're just massively out of their depth. So, you know, that's the big takeaway for me for from this World Cup so far is that England just aren't in the running. Yeah, I think I think as well. What's frustrating is that you know it's not their fault for this, but yeah, you've got. Ian Bell, who's you know, who has been brilliant for England, and is you know, if I was to pick this an England team now, it'd probably be pretty similar to this. But what's frustrating is that Ian Bell, who's called like our most technically gifted player, you know, always ever. You've got Root, who people have called the most talented player England have produced in decades. You've got Morgan, who's regularly called England's best ever one day player, you know, the most creative, most you know, in, impressive player. But yeah, are, there, are these are these names are these kind of descriptions wrong? Are, I mean, they must be because well, they're not showing it at the moment, and that's why I think there are real questions about the the coaching setup about Peter Moore's uh, and all the backroom staff right now because there's there's no doubting the talent of people like Owen Morgan and Joss Butler and and in the bowling side Steve Finn and and Anderson and Broad, but they're just not producing and they haven't been producing for a long time. I think it's fair to wonder whether the the coaching environment is not bringing the best out of these players that that Ben Stokes can come in and at at the moment when he comes in look like a world-class player in the making and then not be able to buy a run and can't get in the World Cup squad after a year of being around the England setup I mean something isn't right there well moving on from England I mean we've we've briefly touched on West Indies with with Gales innings uh, and they did beat Zimbabwe today but I mean on last week's show we were writing them off you know Ireland had just beaten them and we thought that would probably spell the end of the tournament for the West Indies. But then, lo and behold, not only did they beat Zimbabwe, but they went and absolutely battered Pakistan as well by 150 runs. I mean, did you see that coming, Tone? I mean, they had Pakistan one for four at one point, which was the worst total for four wickets in ODI history. Uh, yeah, I mean, Pakistan have been very disappointing so far, haven't they? 
to say the least. You will tip for the semi-finals, of course. Yeah, they could still come good. You know, they could still come good. Very, very disappointing. You know, at that point, going to that game, you'd have probably said you wouldn't have been maybe that surprised if either team had won. So on that basis, it, yeah, it could have gone either way, I think. Yeah, and I mean, um, Pakistan are always seen as the mercurial side, aren't they? You know, dreadful one minute, sensational the next. In this tournament, it seems like West Indies are taking on that men- that mantle, and Pakistan are not necessarily dreadful one minute, sensational the next, so much as dreadful one minute, <laughs> dreadful the next, um, because they they really haven't performed in either game so far. I mean, to be fair, neither had England in their first two games. They will probably still make the quarterfinals. You'd imagine Pakistan could still make the quarterfinals, although that game against Ireland is now going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's amazing. I mean, West Indies were pretty... They looked pretty vacant in that game against Ireland in what was, in the end, quite a comfortable victory for Ireland. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, a slight surprise that they managed to, as you say, have Pakistan so on the rocks. Yeah, well, perhaps it suggests that Ireland deserve even more credit than they got for, for the way they were able to tame West Indies. I mean, I think West Indies still made a lot of mistakes in that game against Pakistan. They they made mistakes in that game against Zimbabwe, even though they won uh, pretty comfortably and scored 370. And I think you'd still expect New Zealand or Australia to take care of the West Indies fairly comfortably. But they've given themselves a real chance of qualifying for the quarterfinals now. And as you say, if Gale does something even remotely resembling that in a knockout game, you know, it would be a brave man who wanted to lay them, as you would say. Much like last week's anniversary special of EastEnders, this episode of the World Cricket Show was recorded live. And despite Tony calling me by my real name on one occasion, and us just staring at each other in horror, it more or less went off without a hitch. So on that triumphant note, it's time to bring it to an end. Did you watch this EastEnders live episode, Tony? No, no, certainly didn't. But I, did, I mean, I did see the clip in question, which is reproduced on all news outlets. Where she refers to Ian Beale as Adam, which is the actor's real name. Did you, I didn't even realise... I barely even realised EastEnders were still going. Yeah. But I, mean, I tell you what, they all come out the woodwork, don't they? All these EastEnders fans. It's just my Facebook newsfeed was nothing but EastEnders commentary. But whenever EastEnders gets kind of attention, it's because there's been a murder. It's basically just a murder mystery, isn't it? <laughs> so they must have just kill someone off every bloody week. To be fair, though, you're hard pushed to find TV programmes these days which aren't about a murder, or ever, really. I know, all novels as well. Like, it's, it's kind of a weird thing that that's, you know, that is the most uh, interesting thing to people, is murder. So maybe we need to introduce a murder mystery subplot to the World Cricket Show, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. if we're chasing those ratings. I've said this a lot before, but I genuinely don't know what I want from my Facebook newsfeed, because... Everything everyone posts annoys me, including you, because you're you're there posting Alderney beach shots, and that's yeah. winding me up because I have to be at work, uh, and you're just milling around having lunches with Ian Botham. Uh, but yeah, just everything annoys me that people post, so I think I should probably just quit Facebook. Yeah, it does seem like a sensible plan. Uh, but if listeners are on Facebook, they can always check us out on Facebook. Facebook.com slash cricket show is our Facebook page. Uh, and we post things there, don't we? Post little uh, photos and little photos and things like that. You could post a you could post a photo of uh, of Alderney if you want. Yeah, maybe I will, Tone. Can I post that little selfie you sent me? Uh... It seems like you only know how to communicate using selfies now. I just said, "How's Alderney?" and I got a selfie back. <laughs> 
I know that's not true at all. You know that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Is it, it might be a bit stupid. Have a look. Yeah, of course it's stupid, Tony. It's your face, eh? Am I right? It's very vain, so I don't know. <laughs> can you post one without me in it? Yeah, I'll post one of your little beach ones if you want. Uh, or you can post that. I mean, that's look a bit bleak, though, doesn't it? I mean, maybe I'll post it on Twitter as well, Tane. Uh, we're on Twitter at Cricket Show, uh, and I'm tweeting there during World Cup matches that I'm watching. Uh, you can also follow Tony at Tony Cover, T O N Y C V double R, and you can follow me at Adam Bayfield one two. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail dot com. Uh, if you're doing your shopping on Amazon.co.uk, uh, we would really appreciate it if you went first of all to our online website, which is cricketshow.net, and followed the link there, because then it doesn't cost you anything extra, but we get a little bit of a kickback. And finally, uh, if you've got a spare couple of minutes this week, we really appreciate it when people write reviews for us on iTunes, because that does help to attract new listeners. I've said finally, but there's one more thing, which is, of course, the World Cricket Show Fantasy Cricket. We're running a mini-league on the official ICC Fantasy World Cup game. Uh, you can join our league using the pin code 22025. Obviously, the World Cup is well underway by now, but there's a lot of time to go, so you could catch up. And even if not, uh, there's points for different phases of the competition, different standings for different phases of the competition. And it's just a lot of fun, Tone, isn't it? It's a lot of fun. It's, it's partly fun, partly stressful. <laughs> it's kind of miserable, isn't it? Because every game, you know, the only thing I'm interested in is how my <laughs> yeah, players are doing. It's really sad. And if they're not doing well, I'm just annoyed for the rest of the day. Because it's, it's <laughs> overnight as well, so then I wake up annoyed. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really quite a bad idea. It's, like, it's almost as bad as gambling, isn't it? It just kind of <laughs> it just ruins everything. Anyway, uh, I think that's it from us. Stay in school, everybody. We'll, we'll be back uh, at some point in the next few days or the next week uh, to talk more World Cup. But until then... That's all from me. That's all from Tony Kerr. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.